I made an error this morning. I missed a name. Who's, who said, <laughs> don't act so surprised. <laughs> but I understand why you would think that I don't make errors. Jonathan Walters, would you stand up? This is Jonathan Walters. He's one of our drummers. And uh, turn around and face these people here. He also is a member of our church. And since you did not have to make any of those commitments, you're free to do whatever you want, brother. All right? So sorry about that, my friend. I missed that name, and that, that is completely on me. Thank you, Jonathan. And as my, my apology to you, we will put more volume on the drums next time that you're on it. Because you can never have too much drums, or cowbell for that matter. You should have not have gotten that joke. What do you want, Holly? Yeah, we probably should vote on the membership. Okay, I made two mistakes this morning. And we're going to vote on them as a block, all right? Because you've had a week, you've known their names. So I'm going to look for a first. Anyone? I see Kelsey as a first. I see Calvin as a second. Put... Put Holly as an agitating third, all right? (laughs) All those in favor of accepting, including Jonathan Walters, these names signify by saying amen. Amen. All those opposed say no. All right, good. I felt that that's prepared our heart for our text this morning. (laughs) I had a, a wedding again this weekend. If I, so if I just break out into a wedding ceremony halfway through, everyone's getting married, and where's Caitlin? Is Caitlin here? Caitlin, you're, where, when's your wedding? This Friday? Saturday, yes, yes. We're, and then, so Caitlin and, and Noah is this Saturday, and I'm looking forward to, to that as well. Um, let's get to the text here. We're going to pick up in verse 21 of chapter 19. We're in Ephesus. The temple of Artemis is there. This is the lifeblood of this city. Those who are coming to Christ after two and a half years of Paul teaching the gospel and performing extraordinary miracles because of God's unbelievable grace and mercy as he calls the elect to salvation, they start living their lives in a truly repentant way. And they're taking out all of their occult worship items and books and they're, they're, they're just burning them in the streets because they want nothing to do with their old life and they want everything to do with their new life in Christ. And that's where we pick up in verse 21. Let's pick up verse 20. So because of all this repentance and mighty work, the word of the Lord is growing mightily and prevailing. Verse 21, now after these things had finished, Paul purposed in his spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, after I have been there, I I need to go to Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered with him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. When you see the word the way, just think Christianity. For a man named Demetrius, a silvermist who made silver shrines to the god, small g, Artemis, was bringing a lot of business, not a little business, but a lot, 
to the craftsmen in these areas, and they gather together in their local union hall together, and they're workmen of similar trades, and they said, men, you know that our prosperity depends on making idols towards Artemis. You see in here, not only in Ephesus, but almost in all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable amount of people, saying that gods made with our hands are no gods at all. Not only is there a danger that our trade of ours will fall into dispute, disrepute, but also that the temple of our great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship will even be dethroned from her magnificence. And when they heard this, they were filled with rage and began crying out, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and another guy's name who starts with an A and ends with us. <laughs> That's the third mistake today in this in the last five minutes which I'm, I'm doing rather well today and when paul wanted to go into the assembly the disciples said don't we're not letting you and some of the asiarchs who were friends of paul sent to him and repeatedly urged him not to venture into that theater that housed nearly twenty-five thousand seats so then some were shouting one thing and other people were shouting other things and truth of the matter is there was so much confusion in that that theater that a majority of them didn't even know why they were angry how many have ever been there what are we angry at some of the crowd concluded it was alexander since the jews put him forward saying hey don't lump us in with the christians alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly don't don't lump the jews in with the christians but when they recognized that he was a jew they didn't care because jews don't believe in idol worship either so you're you're an enemy as well and a single outcry arose from them and they shouted out for two hours great is artemis of the ephesians after quieting the crowd the town clerk got up and said men of ephesus what man here after all does not know that the city of 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 the Ephesians is, is guardian of the temple, the great Artemis, and of his, her image that fell from heaven. So since these are undeniable facts, you ought to keep calm. Don't do anything rash, for you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of the temples nor blasphemers of our goddess. So then if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a complaint against them the courts are in session the proconsuls are available why don't you do it the lawful way and not create a riot against one another but if you want anything beyond this let it be settled in a lawful assembly after all they meet three times a month and three times a year for indeed we are in danger of being accused of a riot in connection to today's events since there is no real cause for it and in this connection we will be unable to account for our law-breaking in this disorderly conduct. After saying this, they realized they probably don't want to tick off Rome, and they dismissed the assembly. With that being said, let's ask God's blessing, and we'll walk through this together. Gracious Father, your word is perfect. It is sharper. It pierces and divides and convicts. It encourages and challenges us. It rewards and it disciplines us it is your breath forgive us for treating it like a textbook 
to be studied, but not applied. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help me to remember what I studied this week. That you would guard my mouth and my tongue. That I would say nothing that would distract from you and your glory. I openly confess in front of all these people that I am a sinner. That all of my, almost all of my sin I do on purpose. Please wash my feet. Once again, Lord, and forever and always, these people belong to you. They are not mine. This is not my church. It is yours. It is your kingdom for your glory and your honor alone. May I lead them when I fail. May I lead them when I succeed. To just point them to you. Father, we love you. But only because you loved us first. And I pray these things, Lord, and I ask them in your Son's precious and holy name. And if you're awake this morning, say amen. amen. Have you ever watched a movie? Okay, good. And then when it got done, you had no idea what the plot was. I think of Napoleon Dynamite. As Baptists, I've only read the transcripts, but I hear it's rather ambiguous. You said, well, I'll never get those two hours back. You ever sit through a play, especially a high school play, and you say, I have no idea what is going on. Anyone at all? Okay, just me. Or worse, a junior high band concert. <laughs> and you have no idea what song is being played, even though it's the Star Spangled Banner. You have no idea what that song is. In fact, you're quite certain it's no song at all. I used to go to my kids' junior high band concerts, and all the parents would be, would be videotaping their kids, and I would be videotaping the parents just to watch the grimace on their face, and I would watch that later. At first glance, this is kind of what this passage looks like. It's full of names and titles and plans and outcomes and laws and commerce and clusters of details that when you get done reading it, you're like, why in the world is this in here? And how could this possibly apply to us and myself and you? Why tell us this? Well, the answer is found in remembering the context from last week. In fact, in Acts chapter 19, 18 through 20, here's a summary. Many of those who placed their faith in Ephesus because Paul was teaching the Word of God for two and a half years and was performing extraordinary miracles started coming to the lecture hall that he rented from a man whose nickname was, was Tyrant, and they were confessing their sins and disclosing their occult practices in Ephesus. So the Word of the Lord, because of this repentance, was growing mightily and was prevailing in the city of Ephesus. Everything that we are going to look at in this cluster of information today, everything that we are looking at today is the product of what happens in a culture when Christians actually and truly repent of their sins and live their lives fully for Christ. Now I need you to grab that. Fully repent, turn away from what God hates, and turn towards what God loves and, and, and towards God when that truly happens in our lives and we don't assimilate to the culture in a way that, that, that we can't even distinguish ourselves when we truly live for Christ. What we see here <clears throat> is what happens to the culture in which Christians live in. 
Now, this may be, seem simple, but the truth of the matter is, you and I know, because we look into the mirror, this is extremely rare. Now, I'm going to approach this text just a bit differently than I normally do. There's a lot of, a lot of text here. So I'm going to approach it a little bit like heart transplant, if you will. Is Dr. Lee in the house today? Dr. Lee at all? I'm going to be teaching from... Now, you're, are you head of heart transplant at, at Spectrum? Okay, he does. Okay, he's a cardiologist. I don't know if Doc Dickinson is here, but you're probably going to want to pay attention because I'm going to teach you how to lift the heart out of a text, all right, out of a body. So you might want to pay attention. I do have a seminary degree, all right, and I am good friends with Doctor Google, and I feel like I could teach something. So, doctors, if you would. Make sure that you take notes. I'm going to teach you how to do heart transplant. And the first thing you're going to want to do is get their name. All right, you get their name and their address. And if they, no, I'm just move forward. All right. So I'm going to unpack this text, trying, kind of tying off every detail. And as we do, my hope is that as we responsibly prepare the context in such a way that we're going to lift out one single heart of application out of this body of text, out of it, and place it in front of our eyes to see what we can apply in our own lives. So with that being said, let's take a look at the text here this morning. Let's advance this here. That's my fault. Let's look at this text here as we, as we lift it from its body. The first thing you're going to notice here, it says, now after these things were finished... After these things were finished. It points back to what we studied last week. The salvation and the repentance and the confession and the abandonment of sin in in their lives to those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Let us remember last week that they burned nearly $5 million worth of occult paraphernalia in the streets. You'll find that in Acts chapter 19, verse 19. They abandon sin in such a way they burn it. They get it away so that they cannot easily return to it. Their lives, what I need you to grab here in this culture, is that their lives are becoming drastically different than everyone else in the city. Grab that right there because that's going to be a common theme. Their lives are drastically different than those in the city. And it exemplified in the life of Paul as well. They are abandoning sinful practices. It says here, Paul proposed the spirit in this purpose in the spirit to go to Jerusalem. Paul wants to go there, by the way, so that he can bring a financial offering from the more wealthy Gentile churches. Churches like Philippi, we know they are very wealthy. Corinth, and of course, Ephesus here. And he wants to take that love offering and he wants to bring it to the persecuted and poor church Christians in the city of Jerusalem. Paul, I want you to grab this, is living a life that is drastically different than the culture around him. Now, With that being said, notice their lives are very different. Here's a question. Can people tell that we are followers of Christ by what we prioritize? Can they tell that we are Christians by our love? Can they tell we are Christians by how we use our money and where we go and how we live and what we say and what we value? Now, I want you to hold on to that because Paul is so concerned with helping others that he sends two of his co-workers 
ahead of him to get things ready. We see that in the text, having sent to Macedonia two of those who were ministering with him, Timothy and his friend Erastus. I want you to see something here. Believers are working as a team in this city. These believers are not holding on to sin. They're repenting of it. They're burning it. They're getting rid of it. And, by the way, they are working together and they are abandoning this me-first individual status that we like to claim in Christ. They are functioning as a team of believers. Now grab this, here it is. That, that team of believers that are drastically different in the culture of Ephesus, in this me-first culture. And the question is, how about us? We also live in a very me-first culture. Now it says this, about their time, there occurred no small disturbance. It is here that we begin to shift towards some application. No small disturbance concerning the way. Now, when you see the word, the way, that is the first title that Christians were given before they were given the title to be Christ followers, to be Christ-like Christian. In fact, it was Jesus who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. And they, there is no small disturbance going on here. What I want you to see here is this. It is referencing the effect that true believers have in a culture when they are drastically different from that. Grab that, that's big. It's going to be easy to just go, ha, what time is it? Grab this, I want to say it again. The effect that true believers, you and I, if I will, can have on a culture when we are drastically different from the culture that we are in. And by the way, the world does not like to have its culture disturbed. In fact, the world prefers darkness over light. The lives of these sold-out believers are putting large cracks in Ephesus' sin-loving occult culture. All right? And their way of life. It's got, I, so what I want to do here is I want to keep prepping the text here for some major application. So look at the words here. Now, Demetrius, a silversmith, he notices these huge cracks in his culture. And he gathered together the local union of workmen of similar trades and said, Men, you know that our prosperity depends on, our, on this business of making idols. You see in here that, that in Ephesus, and not only in Ephesus, but all of Asia, because all of the seven churches in the book of Revelation were established during these two years that Paul is working. Wow! And you see in here and all over Asia that Paul's persuading people to turn away from us and to the way Christianity. And it's a ton of people. Believers living for Christ were causing this culture dedicated to sin to teeter. It was having effect in the, occult, in the culture of this occult city. These men make their living out of making silver images of Artemis in Ephesus that people would buy and bring into their homes. What are these believers doing? They're burning and getting rid of all this stuff. Five million dollars. Acts 19 verse 19, I believe it is. Five million dollars. They're just pouring it into the streets and they're burning it all because they want nothing to do with what God hates. 
They are repenting and rejecting everything that has to do with the occult and the life of sin that goes with it, which we've studied in the context, was unbelievable amounts of immorality, sexual immorality. They are repenting from all of this. On top of this, Paul's teaching is crystal clear. In fact, it's right there in the text saying that, oh, here it is, that gods made with hands are no gods at all. This is a direct attack to these money-making, occult-living, sin-loving culture in Ephesus. By the way, here's a question. Here's a question that's right there in front of us. How do these silversmiths make their money? By making what? Talk to me, church. Idols. Now, I could unpack a great deal of interesting facts here, but let me just tie, and you ready, Dr. Lee? I'm just going to tie off the right pulmonary artery of this text for a moment and move forward in removing the application here for us to see. The worship of Artemis is the lifeblood of Ephesus' economy. It is the, it is the number one thing. If, 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 if Artemis is not a part of Ephesus' culture, Ephesus dies. In everything around it, it is the lifeblood of Ephesus' economy. Without the worship of Artemis in this unbelievable seventh wonder of the world, her temple, the commerce, the tourism, the events, the annual festivals where people came in and just flooded the city. And guess what they bought? Idols and paraphernalia and books, all of this stuff. Without it, their way of life and their culture dies. Now, this is very interesting here because I think we can see a little bit of our heart here as well. Look look at this here as we prep this here. I want you to see the order of, of value they hold in life to those who do not know Jesus Christ in this city. The first thing they are interested in is and, and aware of is money. Look at this is going to affect our prosperity, our money. The second thing they're worried about is their culture. This temple, everything in Ephesus is tied to this temple for their culture. And then finally they show some concern for Artemis herself be dethroned from her magnificence. Let me summarize what they are prioritizing and ask yourself if you can see yourself in this at all. Number one, don't touch my money. Number two, don't touch my culture. And number three, then maybe if those things are safe and secure, don't touch my faith. May I ask a simple question? What are our priorities? Are they any different from from the world we live in. Look at the order here. Money, culture, and God. Do we worship money? Do we love our culture? And then tip our hat towards our God if those first two things are never touched? Those who truly repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus Christ completely invert and reverse this order. Our love for God is paramount. It affects our whole way of life, our whole culture. And our money is no longer something we worship. It is a tool by which we worship our Lord. That is the effect of true repentance. Again, what we need to see here is that these believers are living lives drastically different from the culture around them. And it is having an effect on the money, the economy, the culture, and the belief system of the city. Now let us kind of prep the, 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 the heart here of this text and, and, and move into the next section of scriptures here in verses 28 through 
33 and 34 here. It says here they were filled with rage. You want to touch someone in the emotional seat of their lives, touch their money. Touch their wallet. Touch their culture. Touch culture and touch money and it will open the hearts of what we truly worship. Notice here they cry out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Let me just kind of summarize that based on the order of values that we see here. Great is our way of life. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. So something has to be done. you got to do something, right? Even if that something is rash. So they grab two of Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. My friends, let me just be quick about it. These two men's lives are in danger. This is mob justice beginning to form in the, in the streets of Ephesus. And those running it are being moved by the most powerful force this world knows. Money and culture. We saw that over the last two or three years, did we not? People who claim the name of Christ completely abandon their testimony for culture and money. Paul heard about this and his love for these men because they are team players here. Thought nothing of his own safety. And it says here, Paul wanted to go into the assembly, but the disciples stopped from going in. They say, Paul, we know your heart is right. But you going into that assembly is like throwing a match in a pool of gasoline. There, the discernment here is very important. Sometimes it's not just, do I do the right thing? But do I do the right thing at the right time? But here is where the body of the text pivots strongly. And our final application is getting ready to be pulled out of the, the body of this text here. So we're going to fasten off the pulmonary vein here okay dr lee and i want you to know i have no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> look at this it says also some of the azarks who were friends of paul sent him and repeatedly urged him not to venture into the theater now this is really interesting here in this culture these men are not believers. These were, if I could at least contemporize it a little bit, they are the wealthy Rotary Club members of Ephesus. These are business owners. These are influential people and civic leaders. And Paul had a good relationship with them. And they had a good relationship with Paul. Paul and these new believers are, are, are hard-working in Ephesus. They are law-abiding. They are loving. They are, they are Christ-loving people who love those around them. And the civic leaders had a good relationship with them. And they say, Paul, listen, you go in there, and you're gonna, not only are you going to get torn apart, but we're going to draw the attention of Rome. And so doing the right thing in this way is going to create a greater wrong. So Paul heard this, and he didn't go in. So the town clerk goes, well, maybe I have a responsibility here. The cl town clerk said, men of Ephesus, what, what man here, after all, does not know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis? Now, we're almost done already. This is super important here. I want you to grab this because there's a lot of cluster of details here, but there's a huge application if we'll hear it. And I think for the most part, our politically driven Christianity has lost this message in the church and in our lives. 
where we have cross-pollinated Christianity with culture, and to touch one is to touch the other. And I'm telling you, we are, we are, we are children of God over anything else. Amen, church? More than anything else. Now grab this. The clerk is not a believer. The clerk is not a believer either. This is, if I could, kind of the mayor of the town who was held accountable by Rome if there is any riot or any illegal gathering. So if how many here know that Rome was not run by, 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 by compassionate conservatives? Anyone at all? You're, oh, wait, this is your chair, isn't it? Well, that's kind of an upcharge if you keep sitting there, all right? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Energy drink every Sunday morning. That's your ministry from now. No, no, has to be kosher. Um, what were we talking about before you distracted me? Rome. They didn't like disturbances. They would line people on crucifix. They would take away, they would increase taxes or take away tax privileges. They would, they would absolutely suppress the city if this riot. And so if you're the mayor and you are the bottleneck, every, he is the pilot, if you will, of Jerusalem in Ephesus. He is responsible for everything that is going on here and he needs to shut it down. Look what he says here. This is the highest local official in Ephesus. And he says to them, so what? You guys are getting all worked up over nothing. So what that Paul says that gods made with hands are no gods at all? It means nothing to us. Artemis and her image were not made by human hands. You guys know this. But her image fell from heaven. He's saying, listen, Paul's not attacking you because Artemis came from heaven. Let me explain this. Ephesus was struck by a meteorite and it, that fell from the sky. Now, it's important to understand that meteorites were associated, now grab this, with the worship of the goddess Artemis. It was associated. In fact, one such famous meteorite fell in 204 B.C. Now, this is, this is interesting here. Now, grab this. So since... The worship of Artemis comes from the sky, i.e. a meteorite. What is a meteorite not made by? It's not made by human what? He's found a loophole. And they took this meteorite and they said, this must be from Artemis. And they polished it up and they, they, they carved in it and they placed it into the temple of Artemis and they proclaimed over and over, great is Artemis of the Ephesians who, whose image fell from the sky. You'll even read it in the chapter previous to this. Fell from the sky. In fact, that's where we find the words here. These are undeniable facts. You can go to the temple right now. You can go in there, you can see what fell from the sky and not made by human hands. So what you ought to keep calm and do nothing rash right there in the orange and yellow. Paul's not attacking you. Now, allow me to summarize this clerk. You ready? This is eight hours of study. Are you ready? The clerk says, chill the stinking out, all right? Relax, I'm going to die if you keep this up. I'm responsible for this. Use your brain. Think through these things. It's undeniable. It fell from the sky. You're here unlawfully. We are all going to get our own cross, so chill out. 
that's what's going on here. He says, don't feel threatened by this. But this is where all of this heart prep is about to pop, and we're almost done. And we're going to move to our final application. Look what the town mayor clerk, whose head is on the platter for this, says. Paul and these two men and the believers in this city are neither robbers of the temples nor blasphemers of our goddess. Now grab that. Because here is where we fail a lot in America. All right? This pagan political mayor, head leader of Ephesus, testified in an amphitheater of over, that could house 25,000 people, all whose money and God and culture is being touched. He testifies to the character of the Christians in Ephesus. Now, I, I need you to hear this, and I need to hear this, and we need to hear this, and apply this to our lives right here, when he says they are not blasphemers of our goddess Artemis. This is used as a sense of saying they're not even sacrilegious towards our faith. He says this, no evidence is presented that Christians were guilty of overt disrespect of the goddess Artemis. Let me say that again. No evidence is presented that the Christians in the sinful culture were guilty of disrespecting other people's places and journeys and positions. Let that sink in. The power of these believers, here it is, here it is. The power of these believers is not found in political action It is not found in political activism. It is simply how they live their lives for Christ. Now, I I want to make sure that I'm clear here. I'm not saying that being involved in politics is wrong or that holding a sign or signing a petition is immoral. That's not my point here. My point is that we have traded something like that for something that is far more powerful than that. And what is far more important and more powerful than politics is living our lives for Christ. Amen? It's far more than a sign. Far more than a petition. Far more than a candidate. Grab this. They didn't picket the temple of Artemis. They sought to live holy lives. They didn't organize rallies, and, and they, but rather they loved their neighbor. They didn't pass laws to make idol worship illegal. They repented of their own sins. And here it is. Now that we have prepped the body of the text and we can lift out safely the heart of the application, let us rest it before our eyes and make some observations that I strongly believe that, that, has, that has been missed in the very protected and, and polarized church in our country. These believers are transforming the culture around them not by waging campaigns against the culture, but by living authentic Christian lives. 
And they have the entire city and the sinful culture rocking on its heels without holding a single picket sign, without disrespecting a single person, without endorsing a single candidate. And we say, how is this possible? It's in the context. These believers simply do not participate in sinful living. And by not participating in sinful living, it causes the culture to be disturbed in the entire city. And you know what? Imagine that could be true in our city, state, and nation as well. If every believer in Grand Rapids, you and I and everyone else who truly believed in Christ, repented of their sins, refused to participate in sinful living... It would shift the very ground of our community if every person who claimed the name of Christ committed in their heart these things. And this is just some of them. If we committed, I will set no unclean thing before my eyes. I will do less shopping for things and more sharing of the gospel. If every believer dedicated themselves to moral purity, if everyone committed themselves to Christ and His church, if every child of God loved their neighbor as themselves and started using their wealth for their Savior rather than their self, that alone would shake the foundations of our city today. Oh, my friends, may we have eyes to see what is set before us today. It is not in political or governmental action that advances the kingdom of God, but rather what advances the kingdom of God is a lover of Christ and living out his gospel amen that changes the world these believers placed their faith in jesus christ and now we're going to hover back two more chapters back and just have the context fill our minds here how do they do this in this kind of city well they placed their faith in the gospel They repented, truly repented of their sins. We find in the text they publicly identified with Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism after placing their faith in Him. They are exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. They are engaging their neighbors and it is rocking this world. My friends, if our lives, what we pursue, what we love, what we embrace, what we tolerate is indistinguishable from the decaying culture around us, then no matter how big our sign is, we are useless for the kingdom of God. My friend, the kingdom of God is not advanced through programs and politics and picketing. It is advanced through gospel-centered lives. This passage is about what's happening in Ephesus When believers repent and live spirit-filled, Christ-loving lives. Here's the question. What would happen to Grand Rapids if we stopped screaming and started living? Would the way of Jesus Christ disrupt our city here? Frankly, I think it might even disrupt our church. my life. My friends, may it be said of us as it was said of them in Ephesus. May our lives 
May our lives be the way. Let's begin here at Trinity. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you. Thank you for your word. Father, may may the world, when they look at, start with us, this church, may they see that there's something different from them. They're the real thing. May our lives disrupt this culture far more than our politics because we love you and the treasure that is the gospel is so valuable Lord we want to sell everything we have to get you that treasure because you loved us first change us start with me Lord it's in Jesus name we pray amen I love you guys you are dismissed